All right, so hopefully you found Matthew 6. Uh, let me just say this before we read it again. This is part two from last week. All right, so um, if you weren't here last week, I'm not going to, I haven't got time to recap all of that. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is finishing up the Lord's Prayer where he really shows us a pattern for prayer and teaches us how to pray. Um, we had an incredible week this week, uh, incredible time at CR uh, Tuesday night. The Lord really used Kindle with the testimony, the worship, the small groups, everything. CR Tuesday nights. If you want to get in on the step study there, it's at 6 o'clock. Then we all gather here for worship, and there's teaching testimony and all that at 7. We got food at 8 and small groups. So, man, I tell you what, it's just a power-packed night, isn't it, Curtis? Appreciate all the work everybody does in ministry there. There's like uh, about 115 or so here Tuesday night. Amen? Wednesday night, had great Bible study, uh, and in the adult class, we're finishing up Dangerous Prayers. Last week, the dangerous prayer that we found is surprising. It was this prayer, Lord, speak to me. That can be very dangerous, amen? But we talked about that. Um, now, we got one more coming up this week, uh, but then the week after that, we're going to be on September the 7th starting some new Bible studies. Uh, our meals are going to kick back in at 6 uh, on Wednesday night. So there are just, what we want to do, I know people are distracted and busy and things are crazy, but I want us as a body of believers to offer more and more opportunities and options for you to grow into fellowship. And let's, let's take the word of God and apply it to our lives and let's do life together. And if we, well, all we can do is offer the opportunities. It's up to you to take advantage of them. We've got all the programs with our youth, uh, our youth CTS, Christians Training for Service, anything, Bible skill, Bible knowledge, arts and craft, music, whatever skill can be used in ministry, there's a category for it in CTS, right, uh, uh, Brittany? And we're going to be kind of kicking that back up here, what, next month, right? Or are we already doing it? The next month, right, okay, next month. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff happening. Had a great evangelism conference this weekend. Uh, and it was a privilege that I had to be a part of that. But uh, Tommy Swindoll from Donaldson Fellowship uh, spoke. Uh, Jeff Nichols, uh, Jonathan McClure, uh, our own Jonathan, you know, from Mount Movers. Uh, we just had, and there was a huge crowd. Many of you went. Our gals, uh, Lauren and Anjanette, shared in some of the breakout sessions. And I was just amazed at all, in your Q&A session, all the people that were asking questions and the interest. And it was just powerful. And God really spoke to us. I'm, I'm still processing. I'm still being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Of, and and it's, it's, not a, it's not one of those, oh, you know. It's one of those things where I feel convicted because I'm missing out on some things God wants to do in my life. So there's conviction like, Lord, I know I need to repent of some things. and I need to do some things better. But the thing is, is that I feel urgency because I'm missing something that you want to give me. Right? I mean, it's just like if I came to your house and I knew you had apple pie, I could smell it, but I never got around to even tasting it. What's wrong with me? Why wouldn't I want that? Why am I yelling at you? I don't know. Okay, I'm just excited about what that, that song, the goodness of God, is, he's, he's running after me. I'm so glad God keeps chasing me down. He doesn't give up on us, but he keeps pursuing us. Yeah. So uh, he pursues us in prayer as well. And that brings us right back to our topic. Uh, the pattern for prayer. All right, so I want to read this again. 
Uh, will you read it with me? I read it last week. There were some precautions. He gives us some precautions in prayer. We looked at those last week. And then we find out that this prayer is a pattern. And he starts off with the person of God. The person of God. We focus on God first. And we spent the whole time talking about that. And the different names and the different ways God is described and who he is. And, um, and I just want to tell you, I just wanted to share that because it was so powerful for me. Um, so we're going to pick up and read this whole thing again. Here we go. Verse 5 says, And when you pray, Jesus said, You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, and the sense, the context there is openly. And he's going to reward you privately and openly in every way. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's as far as we got last week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A few of the not oldest manuscripts have a benediction attached there. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'll come back to that later. Uh, some don't have it in there because of that. I'll explain. But verse 14 is the only part where he comments on anything that he just taught them. And it's interesting that the only part that he comments on is this about forgiving others. He says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Whew. So prayer is God's divinely appointed tool that he gives us. What's the point of having tools if you're not going to use them? Amen. Right? So somebody's going to use that out of context next week. Something's going to be broke around the house. Somebody's going to say, well, why don't you fix that? Oh, I don't know. You've got, well, you got all those tools. Let's fix it. Amen? I, this is the opposite problem in our house. I try to fix things, and then I have to expend a lot of money to get it fixed the right way. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, and then lack of tools. You know, it's like there'll be things wrong. Clarissa will say something like, well, we need to get this fixed. I can fix it. We'll fix it then. I don't have the right tools. Huh? Oh, man. You, am I the only one that has this kind of situation ever happen? Come on. You guys are just like, yeah, too bad. Uh, <laughs> but this is a tool that God has given us, and we need to use it. It's one of the means by which we have fellowship with God. It's one of the choice avenues we've seen through which God has already determined that he is going to do his work this way through prayer. God can do anything he wants to. Doesn't matter what I do or say. No, he says, yeah, it does. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you need to have the right heart and the right attitude. And I'll help you with that too. 
But he's determined that there's a lot of things that, are, that he wants to do that are not going to happen until we pray. And I feel so under conviction about that. I feel like I'm missing that so badly that I need to be, this is an area of my life where I need work. Okay, nobody help me out and say amen that you agree with me, that you feel the same way. I'll just stand out there all by myself and confess that I need work here. Oh, thank you. I knew it was in there. So get it down. God works through prayer, the prayers of his people. Um, And through it, he draws us nearer to his heart. He builds our relationship with himself. He builds our relationship with each other as we pray together. He, through it, listen, watch this. Through prayer, he draws us. Through prayer, he teaches us. Total dependence dependence on him. Through prayer is through prayer that we worship him. Through prayer, we praise him. Through prayer, we seek him. Through prayer, we grow closer to him. It's through prayer that his power and presence is released in our lives. Through prayer, his will is made clear to us. That God has worked through the prayers of his people is evident all through the scriptures. We've got evidence We've got testimony. And God's provided a way and a means whereby sinful people like us can approach his very throne in prayer. And this reached its climax through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through his blood. Ephesians 2.18 doesn't matter whether you're your background, Jew or Gentile in that context, doesn't matter any. We all have equal access. Doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. We all have equal access through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I just feel like I need a clap. So as we saw last week, this prayer is a model. It's a model or pattern for prayer. This is not really a prayer that Jesus prayed. It was a pray like this. It's, you can quote it. You can do that. You can say it. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't let it be empty words. Um, but this is kind of like an outline. And we looked at it that way. We saw the precautions last week. And then we saw that the way this prayer starts, it starts with not us, not our circumstances, but it starts, he taught us to pray with God as the focus. We start with God, right? We start with him. It focuses on who he is, our father. Well, that reminds us that we're part of a family, amen? And he's our father. That's very deliberate. And he's our father in heaven, that we're part of this, his family. And we're to hallow his name. And then we talked about his great name and who he is and all the aspects of it. And we just got plumb carried away in that. Uh, but uh, that was last week. So we're going to go to the next part of the outline. Not only God's person, but then the focus is from God's person where we start to God's program. How about that? You got it? You, you got your notes pulled up on version? How many of you here use version even occasionally? Yeah, most of us. Good, good, good. Well, just go to events on your menu, search Hartville. You'll find us on there. God's program. Listen, here's God's program. So we're focusing on that next. Here's who you are. And then now here's your program, your purpose, your plan. We pray your kingdom come, Jesus said, and your will to be done. We're praying this to the Father. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. What about God's kingdom? Where is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is where God rules. He's king. Amen. 
So before you start praying about your programs and your needs, you first of all deal with his person and then his program and his plan, his purpose. So I have to ask myself, does he rule? Is he king? So I'm praying his kingdom come. Is his kingdom, has it come in my heart? Is his kingdom there? Is he ruled there? What about my home? What about my, my career? Where is his kingdom come? And, and we're to pray about this. And does he rule? And one of these days, the Bible says, there is this real literal kingdom that is going to arrive. And the Bible says on that day, it doesn't matter who they are or what they say, every knee is going to bow. Everyone's going to recognize him as who he is, the king. And Lord, over all, and, and we need to be involved and be praying about that kingdom. Let me tell you, it's not about our little group meeting on Sundays to do our little thing that we do. It's all about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, it's not just about getting more people to come to this little building. It's about our helping make disciples for Jesus Christ and him using us to grow the kingdom of God. There may be a lot of people that you're going to pour your life into this week and help lead them to Christ or help strengthen their faith. They may connect in another local church that's doing a great job of preaching the gospel and reaching people and equipping people. There are a lot of us around here. It's not just about us. It's about the kingdom. His kingdom come. I want to ask everything that we do here, what is the kingdom connection? I mean, in the early days that I was here, there were a few things that we kind of did. We did a lot of stuff between Sunday school and worship, you know, uh, and things like that. And some of it was good. Some of it would be okay. Some of it we decided not to do later. But we began to ask the question, what kind of kingdom connection does it have? I mean, does everyone need to know how many was in each class in Sunday school? Uh, does everybody need to know? You know there were some things, you know. But, but there are other things that we do. We, we always have to ask, what is our purpose? What connection is what we're doing here have to the kingdom of God and his kingdom coming and, and being, him being glorified? Okay, uh, because this is what it is. What about me? Am I becoming a kingdom man? Are you a kingdom woman? Are we kingdom people? Are you with me? Okay, so husbands, wives, etc. Are we doing kingdom work? He's chosen those who receive him as Lord and King to be the very ones through whom he builds his eternal kingdom. I just think that's awesome. There's nothing better happening on planet Earth than that right there. And we need to be about his program because I want to tell you, here's what Jesus said. You hear me put this, or you see me also put this verse up a lot. Matthew 24, 14, before Jesus left and went back to the Father, you know, before he left, one of the things that he said was, he told his disciples, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be uh, dying for our sins and the sins of the world. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to ascend back to the Father. But he said this is going to happen. We look around, and he's talking about end times in this passage. And he's talking about all the different things that's going to be happening. We see a lot of things happening and happening fast all around us. We don't even understand all of them. Uh, and we're just, uh, we're just waiting on Jesus to come get us. Amen? And I see that a lot of times. We're just like, boy, Lord, I hope you come back soon. I just can't really take this anymore. When the reality is Jesus is saying, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. Because he said, this, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel, that's the good news, of the what? The kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then 
The end will come. He's waiting on us to finish the, the, the purpose, the task that he's called us to. And a lot of that is what we're praying for when we pray, your kingdom come. By the way, did I tell you back in 05, I preached this as a series of seven sermons. And I'm trying to do it in two here, so pray for us. There's a lot of things I want to say that I'm just going to have to accept that I can't say. We'll do it another time, right? Let's just get some of this. You dig into it and you get it, okay? Yeah, all right. So um, his kingdom come. He says, your kingdom, your will to the Father. Not my kingdom, not my will. Our first concern is not getting my will done in heaven. Lord, I want to try to talk you into doing this, right? Right? My first concern is getting his will done in me. You get that? In my home, in my life. Lord, what's your desire for me? And in praying this, I might realize that I have actually, and when I pray this, it automatically makes me at least consider the fact, am I seeking my own will? Am I seeking my own program? I need to submit to his kingdom. I need to submit to his will. So that's going to be involved in there as well. A lot of big tragedy is that a lot of Christians go to their graves never discovering God's program. And it's about him. And it involves us. And you know what? I don't know about you, but I want to do with my lifespan. I don't know how much I've got. I want to do with it. I want to do with it what God desires. And, and, and God is looking for those who will come to him surrendering and saying, God, um, what do you want me to do? Even if it's contrary to what I'm thinking I want to do, not my will, but your will. I'll still do it. My will and my kingdom must be subject to his will and his kingdom. Because he's the king. He's the Lord. Amen. Where and to what extent? Well, we already had that up there. But he says, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you ever read how God's will is done in heaven? In Isaiah chapter 6, he got a glimpse into the throne era of God. It's just a glorious scene. And the seraphim are there. And the angels were worshiping God. How did they worship God? One man said this. He said, they worship God unwaveringly, sincerely, willingly, eagerly, constantly, and fervently. I pray that we may do that as well. The only reason God woke me up this morning is so that I might praise him and glorify his name and serve him. And when I realize that, that's when every day begins to make more sense. God's program. So God's person and then God's program. And then the next thing that he says is give us this day our daily bread. So the next thing is God's provision. So the next thing on our prayer list as we go through this is God's provision. Give me this day. And he says, you, you know, here's the point. You don't get to give me to the give me, give me. That's the way some of our prayers. It's kind of like, like, you know, some of our kids sound, you know, and, they all, you, 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 and, and you know what? Um, uh, I found out yesterday that I don't need to take Rhett grocery shopping with me, okay? Uh, he went with me. And the others are the same way. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I want this, I want this. I said, you would never eat that. It just looks pretty, you know. But we're that way with God. Our Father is like, Lord, give me, 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 give me. Uh, we don't get to give me until we first honor him and his program and purpose. And then it's our provision, Right? So when you've honored him, then you can say, Lord, give me. Amen? Okay. Give us our daily bread. Now, I think you know bread represents all necessities. Not just bread or food. But maybe even the air I breathe and the beat of my heart. 
Everything that I need, shelter, food, clothes, all these necessities. Um, it's kind of hard for a lot of us to understand, especially in America, our daily bread. Because more than likely, most of us already have our daily bread. We don't even have to pray for it because we have it. All right? I just want to say, if there's anybody in the room that you absolutely have nothing and you are not going to be able to eat today, you have no food in your house, you have no access to food, and you don't, you're pretty sure you're not even going to have food to eat. Did you know there are a lot of people in that situation on the planet today? It's not because there's not enough food. Most of it is because of political uh, corruption and things like that. There's enough food. Um, it's because of wickedness in the world and because of bad choices and things like that. But uh, is there any, if there's anybody here, we can take care of you. So, so you can be included in those who say, I've got my daily bread today, or my daily necessities that we need. We not only have daily bread, we got tomorrow's bread. Most of us have got next week, next month, two or three months. And there's stuff in our pantry. You looked at the expiration dates on some of that stuff lately? We were cleaning out ours, and we found something that kind of got shuffled. You've got to rotate your stock, right? We've got something shuffled to the back, and I think it was, it was a 90s expiration date. It's a wonder it hadn't exploded. What are we going to have for supper tonight? I don't know. Nothing sounds good. What do we have? Our pantry's full. Our freezer's full. Refrigerator is pretty full. We have nothing to eat, he says. I want you to prepare for something and spoon feed it to me, you know. Uh, but we have, we have food. We've got, you know, we could probably maybe go for months. A lot of the world doesn't live that way. Um, but when you've already got tomorrow's food and next week's food, you're probably not going to worry or be that grateful for today's food. Hmm? This prayer causes us to think about that. God wants us to understand that the reason why you are eating today is because he's provided it. Yeah, well, you might say, oh, no, I got it myself. I worked hard. I did this. I provided. Well, God provided the meat. God provided the seeds. God provided the sunshine. God provided the rain and, and from whence we get all of our food. You didn't do that. He gave you the strength to get out there and go to that job. You should thank him for that. You were able to do it. So he wants us to understand the reason why we have it is because he's provided it. We got to recognize and acknowledge our total dependence on Him. That's what this is about. I'm dependent upon you. Whether I realize it or not, I'm dependent upon you for everything. None of us are doing it on our own. We are dependent on Him. We got to learn to live daily bread, day by day. I need to think about it. I need to learn to walk and to live and to focus on day by day living with God. A lot of us don't enjoy today. Because we're too worried about tomorrow. Yeah, and I, 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 I get into this myself. I have struggles with this. But here's the point. See how this fits together. When you're honoring God's person and you're serving God's program, he's always going to give you what you need on the day that you need it. Maybe not ahead of time. But the lesson is a lesson of faith that he will provide today, right now, what you need. I heard an old preacher preaching about this one time. And he said, great statement, today. Or maybe it was more like, today is the day that we were worried about yesterday. Did you get that? Today, I'm here, I'm okay. But today is the day, today is the tomorrow. 
Today is the tomorrow that we were worried about yesterday. But here we are, and we're okay. So have a super fantastic, awesome day. In the Bible, somebody was poor if they did not have today's bread. So a poor person is someone who's not be able to eat on a given day. So using the biblical definition, we really don't have any poor people here. Now, in the Bible definition of things, if you not only had today's bread, but days ahead bread, you were considered rich. If you had clothes that you could wear, and maybe even more than one set of clothes, you were considered rich. So here's the deal. According to the definition of this culture, when the Bible was written, we're rich. Think about this. Not only has God not promised you, I mean, food for tomorrow. He hasn't promised you tomorrow. He's promised you daily. Okay? So if, you're, you, if you already have tomorrow, you are extra blessed. You're wealthy. You should thank God for that, for his provision. God's telling us this, to thank him, to worship him, and to recognize our dependency upon him, of our need of him today. I'm going to think about, worry about God because I'm all right by myself today. No, you're not. You're dependent on him. Learn to thank him for what you have. Live one day at a time. Lord, help us to stop fussing and cussing about tomorrow. Why carry an ulcer in tomorrow? Because when I get to tomorrow, God's here with me today, and he's already in tomorrow waiting on me. And if I do live tomorrow, he's already been there, and he's going to walk with me from today right into it. Mm. All right, God's provision. We could do a whole lot more, couldn't we? There's a lot to be so. So get that down. Come back and meditate on it. And then the next thing that he says, not only give us our daily bread, but forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the next thing is God's pardon. God's pardon where God wipes away our sin and even our guilt. Did you know that? I haven't had time to go into this. I'd have to preach a whole other sermon. But when God saves us, he separates our sins as far as the Bible says the east is from the west. It's thrown into the sea of his forgetfulness. When Christ has covered your sin and paid for it, and you are forgiven, you've repented of your sin, you've asked God to forgive you, and he's forgiven you. He said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in God's eyes, not only are you forgiven, the sin is gone. He looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. You're not even guilty anymore in his eyes. Only he can cleanse us from the sin and the guilt. Now we may try to hold it on each other, but God doesn't. This is why this this is so important. But I need forgiveness, I don't know about you. This is just like daily bread for me. Because... Sin, literally, is we all sin and, and, and fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned. That fall short literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, miss the target. Anything in my life, my attitudes, my actions, my words that falls short of the perfection of Jesus Christ, guess what? It's sin. We can have an idea of the nasty nine or the dirty dozen sins, these certain things. But anything that falls short of Christ is sin. So I'm dependent also on his grace. And I need to walk in the light as he is in the light because his blood covers me. But every day I need to be mindful of the fact that he's working in me and I'm dependent upon him for salvation. I'm not earning it myself. I'm not paying him back for that. He's already paid it all. 
Couldn't pay it back if I tried. Now, he says, forgive us our debts. The word here for sin in this uh, illustration Jesus given on prayer is a word that denotes a bill or a debt that someone would incur. Every time you sin, it's like you go into debt or incur a bill because God is perfect. He's liking it that way. Uh, it's a debt that we can't pay. Only one way is to be separated from God forever and ever and ever in a place we call hell. To be totally separated from God and everything that is God. That's the only way you can pay off, pay for your sins. You either accept the payment that Jesus paid, or if you're going to pay it yourself, that's the only way you can. You can't get yourself right with God. Only Christ can do that. That's why we come to him. He's already paid past tense. If you'll just receive it. So the problem with a lot of people is people, some people think you can sin and not incur a debt. But he says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. So this is the thing. It's like if someone owes, we talk about this a lot. If someone owes you money or, you know, we've been thinking about this a lot lately. If someone cancels a debt, what happened to the debt? Somebody had to cover it. It doesn't just evaporate. It doesn't disappear. If someone owes you $10,000 and you finally say, okay, I gave you $10,000, but um, you do not have to repay it, who pays it? Well, if you loaned it to them, you absorb that. You pay it, right? That's what makes this so awesome. That's what makes this so glorious is that for him to forgive us, he had to pay our debt for us. Hallelujah. That's grace. That's what it is. He paid the price for our sins. That's why the cross is so ugly. That's why it's so serious. He paid it all. And uh, now, I don't owe him anything as far as paying him back. But he's my Lord, my Savior. I want to serve him. I want to please him. I want to walk in his strength. So he said to forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. Sometimes people incur a debt against us. People sin against us. And he says, if you're wanting your father to forgive you. Now, this is where it gets tough. Boy, Jesus, why did you have to throw that in there? Because it's a family issue because he's our father. And Jesus gave, and I haven't time to go to it, but he gave an illustration, a parable about this this ruler, and he had a servant that owed him tons of money. And finally, the ruler said, you're forgiven. I'll cover it. You don't have to pay me back. And then Jesus said that that guy went and found someone that owed him just a few bucks. And he had him beaten and thrown into jail. And when the ruler heard about that, he went and got him. <laughs> right? And he said, I forgave you a lot. And you couldn't even forgive a little bit. He had a problem with it. That shows God's attitude. I need to forgive those who, and guess what? The whole point of forgiveness is, is you don't deserve it and you can't earn it. If you think somebody's got to earn your forgiveness, you don't understand what forgiveness is about. You can't earn it. It's a decision that you make. Now, trust is a different issue than forgiveness, right? You do earn trust. But forgive. He says, and this is the only part he com comments on in verse 14. He says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father's going to forgive you. He changes words from a debt to a trespass. That means to, to go along uh, out of bounds. Um, you could translate it offense. Oh, whoa, there's a word. 
Everybody's offended today. Offended, offended, offended. You need to forgive offenses. If you're not willing to forgive the debt and the offense that someone has against, that you have against someone else or someone's committed against you, then your Heavenly Father's going to have an issue with you. Why should He forgive you if you're not willing to pass it on? Here's the thing I don't care what they've done to you, it's nothing compared to what you and I've done to Jesus. It's nothing compared to the cross. Yeah, but that's not humanly possible sometimes. True. That's why we need his presence, his love, his grace, his power to help us do it. Sometimes it's a process. Are you willing to at least let him help you? And, and this isn't thus saith me. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Somebody will say, do you really believe? And I'm going to say, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I believe. I'm just going to tell you what this says. And you have to decide whether you're going to believe what this says or not. And God will let you have the ability to make your decision. The decision you live by, the decision you're going to have to die by. So this is what he's saying. He's our father. It's a family issue. You can't treat your brother or sister like dirt. Go to your heavenly father. Expect him to treat you gloriously because you're part of the family. He'll have a fellowship issue with you. And so Jesus wanted to illustrate that. God's pardon. I need this. I need to realize all of these things. I need to realize in order to forgive my dad, he had to assume payment on the cross. And I need to pray to be like him and forgive others. Then he goes on and he says not only about God's pardon, because I'm going to need this. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I start off with this one. Lord, Father in heaven. Oh, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Or how about this? The, you know, and it's okay to start a prayer off. Lord, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. But pretty much every time, it's good to follow this as I focus on him. And I focus on his purpose, his kingdom, his provision, my dependence on him. And then I get to the point where I'm dependent on you to forgive my debts as I forgive those indebted to me. And then the next thing it is, is he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This one would be God's protection. God's protection. It simply means this. Don't lead me into temptation. Temptation has to do with trials. Now, we find out later that God's not the one who tempts us, but we're actually, you can't even really blame the devil. James tells us, remember we preached all the way through James, you know, this year already. But he tells us that we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires or lusts. You know, all the devil, man, he can try, but it's when we make that decision to let those things draw us away that we get tangled up in them, uh, and, and, and it progresses from there. This is talking about trials and things that happen, and basically, this is a manner of speaking that Jesus is using And when we're saying, lead me, lead me, don't let me go into something that I can't handle today. Don't let me go into something that I can't handle. I'm dependent on you. I'm counting on you to lead and guide my steps today so I don't go into any place or get in any situation that I shouldn't or for which I'm not ready. So it's a prayer for guidance once again and for his protection. It won't work for you to pray, lead me not into temptation if you don't let him lead you. All the time we see people making wrong choices, unbiblical choices, going in the wrong places with the wrong people and the wrong things, and they're praying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You led yourself. So when you're saying, lead me not, 
stop with that lead me part. You got to let him lead you. And if you let him lead you, he's not going to lead you into something you can't handle with his help. Now, it might be something that's more than you can handle, but not something more than you and him can handle. Lead me not into temptation. Now, follow this, all right? Are you ready to pull it together? Let's step on it. You ready? If you, you, can't, if you can't call him Father, that's where we started the prayer, right? Our Father. If you can't call him Father because you've not been born again and adopted into his family, then you need to back up because he won't lead you. He's not your Father. You need to come to Christ through salvation. Even if you've called upon him as your father, if you're not hallowing his holy name, then you need to back up because you're not subjected himself to his kingdom and submitting yourself to his will. And if you're not doing that, he's not going to be able to lead you. If you're harboring unconfessed sin in your life, or if you're unwilling to forgive and release others from their sins against you, then you need to back up because he refuses to lead you under those conditions. So you see this part of prayer is placed precisely where God wants it. Because if he's really going to, are you guys getting this? Did I even make sense? Do you see that all of this falls into a pattern? All of this fits together. Because if I'm not doing these other things that come out in this prayer, then I'm not following him. He's not going to lead me if I'm not following. So that means any place he does lead me or you, we're ready for it. You may not think so. If you're honoring his person, our Father. If you're operating according to his program. You're enjoying his provision and thanking him for it. And you've received his pardon. If all of that's true, you will have his protection. When you walk with God according to this pattern, you'll have God's protection. And then there's that benediction that some uh, uh, have in there about for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory. The problem is, is that the older manuscripts that we have that are closer to when this was written, none of them really have that. It's later manuscripts that have that. And, and, and so if you're judging this like you would uh, any other ancient text, you would, you would just kind of make the call there that probably when it was being copied, this is evidence that some scribe, you know, was carried and wrote in the margin for his is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. And then the next person that copied it may have accidentally inserted it. It does no harm. In fact, there's, get this, there's no variant reading of ancient scripture from the manuscripts that affects any teaching of doctrine that we believe. You want to hear some of the professors at liberal universities talk about the variant readings in the ancient text and all of this? How do we know we really have the Bible? The neat thing is, is that compared to the works of Shakespeare or Homer, there's, I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming for Scripture. And the other thing is, is none of the variants affect any teaching of doctrine. There's evidence, actually, that this comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 through 13, where this is, is, this is in the Bible. And David was setting things up to build the temple for Solomon and turning things over to Solomon. And as David began to pray and to praise God, he prayed something very similar to this. Everything belongs to him. His is the glory. His is the kingdom. His is everything. All things belong to him. It belongs there. Even in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, we get over here looking into a future scene. And you see something similar to it. Oh, boy, I can't. Keep sticking pages together here. Revelation chapter 5. What did I say? Verse 13. Where is it? There it is. Where they, it says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in heaven saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So this is a benediction that fits Old and New Testament and it certainly fits here. 
And, and th- th- that's the reason why it's not in some translations. It might not have originally been there, but it still fits here. So, uh, but even in that benediction, you're not in there. The, the prayer starts with God and it ends with God. We're sandwiched in on both sides by the glory of God. So our prayer life should now be changed. Because now when you say, our Father, that means I remember my brothers and my sisters. I'm reminded of what it cost him to be able to be called my father. The price he paid so that I could call upon him in that relationship. Who art in heaven? I must think of the big things in my life that are too big for me to handle. My father's in heaven. They're not too big for him. Amen? Hallowed be thy name. I got to now ask myself, in what areas of my life am I not treating God as hallowed or special? Thy kingdom come. Well, is my program the same as God's program? Thy will be done. Am I doing things to please me or am I doing the things that please him? Give me this day, my daily bread. Do I go days at a time without thanking God for the little things that he does? Even giving me the ability to eat the food that I have or to hear or to see or to walk. Forgive me my debts. Is there anyone in my life, is there sin in my life that I need to repent of? And is there, as I forgive others, is there anyone in my life that I need to release and I need to forgive so I don't break my fellowship with God. And then protect me today. Am I finding myself defeated during the day because his protection is not there because I'm not submitting to him in everything. But if I do all that, at the end of the day, I can truly lift up my hands to heaven. I can say, yes, Lord, as I lay down on this pillow, thine was the kingdom all day long. Thine was the power all day long, and thine was the glory all day long. What a great day, Lord. Let's do it again tomorrow. Focus is everything in prayer, and that's the pattern. Let's pray. Father.